What's up, everybody? It's Lee, otherwise known as Intuition, and uh, you're listening to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in. It is appreciated. Things are going great so far with the podcast. We really appreciate all the feedback we've been getting. It's been really fun to do it so far. I'm having a great time doing it. I am going to ask you guys to do some favors for me. Uh, what I need you to do is go to iTunes. Search for us on iTunes. Search for Kinda Neat. Subscribe to us. Even if you don't use you know, a podcast system on your phone or a podcast app on your phone or on your iTunes at home, if you don't listen to podcasts that way, just subscribe to us anyway. It's just helpful. Stream them. Listen to them. Give me feedback. Tell me who you want to see on the show. I love that kind of shit. I love engaging with people who listen to these. Um, been getting a lot of really cool feedback so far and cool suggestions for people that you want to see on the show. So that is appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at That's Kind of Neat. Spelled how it sounds. And then, um, yeah, the YouTube stuff. We just hit our first 100 subscribers on YouTube, and both of the first two videos have each hit 1,000 views, which, relatively speaking, might not sound like that much. I know a lot of you guys know a lot about YouTube, and a lot of you found out about me on YouTube, and in the grand scheme of things, 1,000 views, it ain't really shit. But let me tell you, I'm appreciative of every one of those views, and they're just going to keep getting better, and uh, the videos are going to keep getting better as I relearn this process. So yeah, go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash that's kind of neat. Subscribe to that, comment, like, share with your friends. The artists that we have coming on are going to be fucking awesome. Today, we have an old friend of mine named Speak. I met Speak a very long time ago when he was just a wee lad of 17, and uh, he drove up from Riverside to Santa Barbara, where I was living, with a guy named 60 Cycle Hum. And he was already loud and boisterous and crazy back then. And uh, as time has gone on, that character has just come to solidify more. Uh, I love the kid. Great dude. I learned a lot about him today that I never knew about him. And so hopefully you guys find this podcast interesting. I tried to avoid talking to him about the same shit that everyone talks to him about, you know, because everyone knows, oh, Speak, yeah, Speak's the guy who wrote Gucci Gucci, but there's a lot more to him. This is the uh, podcast with Speak. Before I get out of here, make sure to follow my man, Ben Shim, on Twitter, at IamDatabase. That's my dude. He's helping it run smooth. He's making the podcast sound all delicious and delightful to your ears. Doing a great job. Very thankful to Ben Shim. Follow me at It's Intuition on Twitter. And uh, yeah, fucks with us. Talk to us. Like I said, we'll talk to you back. Tell us your suggestions. Tell us what you want to hear. And just subscribe and help us out. Every listen counts and we, uh, we love you guys. So here's the conversation with Speak. What's up, man? What have you been up to? Oh, man. Trying to finish this album. Trying to get my life together. Watching a lot of soccer with Ty. What's the harder part? Getting your life together or finishing the album? I think they kind of go hand in hand. When my life is in disarray, so is, uh, I think, the productivity of, of actually recording music. Not making it, like not writing. Not writing the songs, but... It's when I write my best, but it's also harder to really focus in and be like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to really finish this album. I've been trying like hell, goddammit. So it's it's close. Everything's finally like the stars are lining up and everything's is like coming together. And I'm actually, I'm very happy. Why has life felt like it's in disarray? Sometimes it just is. Maybe it's my own undoing or, you know, this, this subconscious uh, 
self-destruction tendency. I don't know. I try to like steer away from that shit, but sometimes, you know, it just is, so, you know, you can't really explain it. Do you have a tendency to self-destruct? That's what they say, but I don't. Who's they? <laughs> Them. <laughs> Them. I'm doing the quote unquote fingers. Um, no, I, I don't think self-destruct maybe, maybe like maybe my stubbornness and my unwillingness to compromise kind of fucks up certain opportunities that might present themselves, you know, but, um, yeah, I don't think it's self-destruct. I'm, I'm getting better with it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better with it and, and the music is coming. And so, so yeah, I'm happy. You got any examples of the outspokenness and stubbornness biting you in the ass? Yeah. Like, um, when, uh, I, I think one of the, the classic, I think the classic story that seems to circulate around, uh, the music industry circles like when i went to new york i kind of went uh i went to work on a deal with universal and they wanted to give me a shit ton of money and like i had like i had like this big freak out when was this this was like maybe like a year ago i had like this big freak out and uh and they put me up like in this nice five-star hotel across the street from fucking uh central park and um i had a freak out and i threw a refrigerator out the window of the hotel yeah like <laughs> on some like Keith Moon shit, but like, but here's the thing though, it wasn't, it wasn't just like, oh fuck it, they want to give me money, I'm freaking out, oh let me be rebellious or whatever. I think it was just like I was in New York by myself, and that was my fault. That was my fault. I should have communicated with like the whole team and taken everybody, but you know I'm a fucking dumbass. But I went and um, you know we went for some meetings, and um, I thought they were just gonna be like regular, hey, sit down and like play some songs talk to us about your music and your artistry and what happened was um it was like some like 90s like showcase shit so i went to the fucking label and you know next thing you know like all the a and r's and the people come out and they're all they fill this room and they hand you a mic they're like all right rap perform some songs and i was just like dude yeah, like, how many people were in the room dude it was i think it was like the whole it was like the all the a and r's like everyone they cleared the whole fucking office like 20 people 15 people maybe maybe about like 30 35 people so it's all the people from the in like a boardroom yeah yeah and you're just at the front of the boardroom yeah and they're like um all right perform like give us like a, a set but the thing is they told me like right before everyone came into the boardroom that's what they told me like oh by the way you gotta rap and i'm just like and i don't have a problem with fucking rapping i, I don't i really don't I, I, i'm good at it i do it whatever i like you know flailing around on stage and being a rapper and all that shit that's cool but like i think it's just like the snakery of it and like the deceptiveness of it just really kind of like it rubbed me the wrong way, but I killed shit and they offered me a deal. And like, I was just, I was just so, I was mad. Like I had like, a, I think, well, I'm pretty sure by pretty sure. I mean, I'm positive. I had like a panic attack. Like when I got back to the hotel, like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? And instead of like, you know, like talking, talking it over with the people close to me and, um, and my team, I was just like, ah, and I like, and I literally threw like, I threw you know a refrigerator out the window and then I and then I got really drunk. Did you look to see if anyone was walking by Fuck before no. you threw it? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure Universal wasn't happy when they got like a check from um, the hotel saying, "Hey, why is there why is our refrigerator missing?" Well, thank goodness you didn't end up in jail for it, dude. I'm so fucking thankful. Praise be to Allah. What I did was though. Um, but the, like the next night, I was supposed to stay like for more meetings, like another three days. But like I booked my a flight back, and I was like, I'm I'm going the fuck home. And uh, yeah, and I went home. Have you heard from Universal since? 
no sometimes sometimes they send me some nice emails like the funny thing is like uh those people not not just like universal but like people i've met in the journey they uh they send you know it's not as cold and callous as as people make it seem because they do check in like hey how are you like fuck the music like where's your head at <laughs> like are you doing okay like and i think and i think that's nice so i had to get over the um i had to get over the initial fear of like and paranoia of like oh fuck everyone's trying to ass fuck me and like take advantage of me and like ruin me and you know but this is what you come to realize right like when you sober up when you sober up um from that rage and paranoia you you realize like oh wait like dude it's like a business like you know they're trying to give you money in exchange for your goods and services it's a, it's a job mm-hmm. and the thing is the, re- the i mean everyone's like man they're trying to sabotage me and stuff and i thought that for the longest time but all all they can do is pre- can give you is present opportunities and and fiscal resources and it's it's determined on your work ethic and how creative and um hardworking you are that determines how you're going to succeed and advance and you know there is a give and take and you know not everyone get, gets their way but i'm not i'm not i wasn't used to that and i'm not used to that but i'm i'm i've learned it now and i'm just like all right you know sometimes some outside input and that that really helps that really helps cuz i'm used to like all right fuck it like i got this piece of album art i got this song it's going live tomorrow fuck fuck the repercussions we're doing it this way but you know but like the real world doesn't work like that. Do you think the problem lies uh, within the fact that everyone that's creative has a little bit of crazy uh, in them as well? And that uh, the business aspect of the music industry is trying to kind of contain that craziness in a controlled environment? Sometimes, yes. But the thing is... Because I think you're a little bit crazy. A lot of people do. But, you know, I could accept it. But it's not like an active invention or being like oh, I'm so artsy and I'm so different I'm a fucking lunatic like no one wants to be no, known- I've known you since you were a kid yeah. you're just kind of crazy yeah no one wants to be known as that like the fact that that's kind of like the reputation that I built and I have no one to blame but myself so I accept it I'm, I'm a fucking grown man I accept it but no one wants to be known as that you know you don't want to burn bridges and opportunities and because it's you know and, and throw money out the window there's, there's a way there's a way to navigate and negotiate but i was just so used to like all right i'm gonna fucking bulldoze everything fuck it burn it that was like that was like the thing the thing for the longest time like fuck it just burn it just burn it all down do you remember the actual performance or did you kind of black out because i I know that you're kind of a wild performer in general you know you shoot off confetti and fucking dry hump things yeah yeah. i remember dry humping a couple interns and like it was really uh, that was fun um i was rubbing my crotch on them it was dope. And then um, I know for a fact I said some, like, really, like, in between songs. Like, you know, instead of, like, the audience banter, I, like, I vented my frustration. And I said some very unprofessional things, you know, like. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not too proud of I'm not too proud of that. And I wasn't trying to be like, oh, I'm crazy. I'm destructive. I'm, ugh, I'm rebellious. Look at me. It was just like I was just so I was so mad, you know, and. That's what happens. So why'd you go out alone instead of taking some of your comforting brain trust with you? Because I'm a fucking idiot. Because I'm a moron. No, I don't know. Um, I mean, did you tell anybody you were going out there? Uh, there was talk. There was talks of it, and and definitely the people around me were like, "Yo, all right, just let us know. We could do it. That's fine. Like, hey, that's a wonderful thing. Absolutely, we can handle it. But just let us know." And the thing was, I was in Florida working on uh, working on a project, 
and um i had no intention like absolutely had like no intention of going to new york by myself like at all did you have management at the time no not not really i had people vying you know and offering their services and that's how that that's how that meeting came about but um so i was in florida and i'm just like you know i'm a fucking i'm a i'm gonna go home and they're like yo man like you know they they started to hit me up and apply that weird pressure like yo you know we could this is a big opportunity just come just come and i'm just like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna like literally like hours before i made the decision is like super impulsive and and it was just stupid in hindsight so you didn't st- you didn't stop stupid. back home in la first you went from florida straight yeah, to yeah, new yeah, york yeah, yeah. I, went, I went from florida straight to new york what were you doing in florida i was working on some music like with juicy j oh well i think did we do that song? we yeah we worked on some stuff on that trip and i also like um was fucking around with some people like in timbaland's camp just doing some songwriting stuff and uh yeah, so, but I, in hindsight, it was just all so fucking stupid. Like, it was ridiculous. Have you always been that way? Were you kind of self-destructive as a kid? Were you in trouble a lot? I was in trouble a lot, but I got really, really good grades. I could see you as being the kid that gets good grades, but also always has some smart-ass shit to yeah, say to your I teachers. Yeah, because I thought I was smarter and better than everybody. Yeah. I like this, like, this really unnecessary, like intellectual superiority complex was there a certain moment that sticks out in your life when you realize like oh wait i think i'm smarter than my teacher probably when like in elementary school they were trying to tell us like the story of like the mayflower i remember it i was in like first grade miss del piso was my first grade teacher and she was trying to uh tell us the story of like the mayflower or the nina the pinta the santa maria right columbus sailing the ocean and to discover the new land and you know discover and i just remember saying i remember specifically raising my hand and saying how did he discover it if indians already lived here and when you're in first grade like you know teachers don't want to hear that shit they want you to be like all right yeah we had the first thanksgiving and they ate turkey and everything was fine and dandy i was like well how do you get from fucking how do you get to that to okay now these folks are living in reservations and fucking huffing paint living off of you know government pensions so like you know like like that was your first moment of critical yeah, was, thinking that you yeah like that, yeah that, that's probably that's probably the first time because like the kids around me didn't get it the kid they were like what <laughs> you know he discovered it I'm like no like people were living here like you know hunting and gathering <laughs> Columbus came over here and fucked everyone yeah you know and gave everyone fucking syphilis and like gonorrhea really that's what they did. And like the Spaniard, the, the Spaniard like conquistadors and the explorers, they were really out there like fucking little girls and like doing all. No, seriously, like doing fucking weirdo shit. So it's just like maybe, maybe that was like the first time, you know. So, and then, and then I remember like she had like a conference, parent-teacher conference with like my mom and my dad. It's like, well, maybe your son is you know gifted and talented. I didn't even get into like the gifted and talented program. They said I wasn't like they said I really wasn't gifted and talented. And then I remember, you know. I remember I told the the test proctor, the administrator, I was like, well, I was like, you obviously don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, like I, told, I think I called him a liar. I was like, you're a liar. It's like, your son's bright. He's not gifted and talented. I was like, you're lying. I ended up in the gifted and talented program as a kid. And it was because uh, I remember in um, third grade, this teacher used to always come in and she would take all the kids that were yeah. like, they were the ones who were consistently getting the good grades as well. And she would take them away for an hour and then they would come back. And I'm like, hey, how come you're taking like Jamie and Marshall and all those kids to the gifted and talented thing? I'm like, I'm way smarter than them. 
And <laughs> and my mom was a teacher at the same school. And she goes, uh, hey, uh, Karen, Lee actually referred himself to GT. I think he wants to be <laughs> tested. And then lo and behold, I ended up in there. I remember the test specifically was a lot of like shapes, like recognizing sh- like different patterns and things like that. And I just remember thinking like, even as a kid, I was like, this is fucking bullshit. Like being able to differentiate like uh, geometrical patterns and, you know, the different sequences doesn't doesn't determine how in- intellectual you are or how talented you are. I, just, I remember thinking that, like, you know, not in those words specifically, but I'm just like, how does this make you smart doing these fucking puzzles and, you know, these these shape puzzles? So I don't know. It's, it's just really... It's really weird. It's like it's like it's kind of like the thing like oh well, getting good grades necessarily doesn't mean you're smart either. It means you fucking focus, you apply yourself, and you have the discipline to jump through the hurdles and get the good grades. You know, it like because I, I dude, I know people who were fucking genius at you know chemistry and you know they got their degrees and this and that you know, but they're fucking not because they're genius or just because they're hardworking and they're willing to apply themselves. So. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Do you apply yourself? At times I do. When I'm focused in and, like, I'm I'm really inspired and, you know, and I have the blinders on and I'm just going at it and I'm really doing the whole practical application thing, like, like I don't think, I don't think anyone could fuck with me. Like, on stage, whether I'm writing a song, like, I feel like, like I'm the best in the world. Do you feel like life is better when you're applying yourself? It probably is really like the money's probably like coming in like really really nice, and I'm probably like fucking like be- like a beautiful girl, but like I, like honestly, it's all kind of a blur because I don't really, I I don't really notice it, you know. I have a tendency of fucking up really good things, but it's not never on purpose, you know. But usually, like when I'm focused in like that, I don't really kind of um, I don't really kind of process everything else that's happening. I'm like, oh, I have a really good looking girlfriend, or oh wow, I got thousands of dollars in the bank and like i'm living really good and i'm eating steak and you know like like i I like i mean that stuff is happening but i don't i don't i don't think i really get to enjoy it or process it because it takes like every ounce of my being to like focus in and be like all right i'm gonna finish this album and where does the self-destruction come from do you think (laughs) because i I see a lot of myself and you like full transparency like i met you when you were 17 years old yeah yeah. i was probably uh, a few years older and we were like going to a battle yeah, yeah, it was me, you, and like after one, yeah. and j- the joint custody. We've guy. always gotten along well. Yeah, definitely. And we've definitely. always remained close. I'm asking, I guess, about the self destruction thing because I've always seen the same thing in myself too. I feel like I fucking blow opportunities yeah. as well. Well, what do they say comes before the fall? Right, pride. It's probably pride, and it's definitely ego, and it's a whole bunch of things. The unwillingness to compromise. But for some reason, for the longest time, I always kind of rationalized it as if I'm compromising. I'm not being true to myself mm-hmm. and I'm being a fraud and like that irks the shit out of me. Yeah. It has nothing to do with like, okay, underground or this or that. It has nothing to do with any of those kinds of theories or whatever. It has to do with like how I feel on the inside, like how it, it makes me nauseous. It makes me sick to my stomach. But then like, I, so that's for the longest time. That's how I rationalize it. But then I'm just like, whoa, wait a second. Like sometimes like you have to compromise, like whether you're in a relationship or whether you're in a whether you're in a job or like you have to very few people very few people in this life could can you know just get by bulldozing doing everything 100% their way probably one person his name is probably fucking prince right prince does whatever the fuck he wants you know but like even like you know beyonce's and the jay-z's and the kanye's you know 
okay, yeah, they're, they're bosses, they're the bosses, they're calling the shots, but you got to take in mind, there's they have people around them who are offering advice and, um, you know, trying to look out for their best interests. I think the trust has a lot to do with it, too. Maybe for the longest time, I didn't really believe that people had my best interests. Even my closest friends and the people who I love and the, dearly and the people who love me. But I'm, I'm getting better with it. Well, and I know? guess that's where I'm coming from. Is like, you know, they always say anger is a secondary emotion. When you're angry at something, it's really because you're probably sad or insecure about something. Yeah, yeah. And they go, being they, defensive. Yeah, yeah. They go, no, they definitely go hand in hand. I like, think a lot of my self-destruction comes from, like, fucking depression and shit. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, does that affect you or anxiety or, like, oh. what? What is it with I you? definitely have anxiety. You know, I've never, like, and I definitely have, like, depression. But it's normal to, though. The person who's on the fucking freeway driving to work and has to be in at 9, who's sitting at traffic 30 minutes away from their job, you know, they're, they're stuck in dead traffic and they're 30 minutes late. They're going through anxiety. So I think it's a normal thing to have anxiety, but it, it, it means you're human, and, you know, and your receptors are working. And it's okay to be sad and, and depressed and be in mourning. Like, that, that stuff's perfectly, you know, okay, but... It's the human experience, but I think at the same time, you can't get sucked into all that. And it's easy to. It's so easy to get sucked into all that. But you, you know, you gotta, you gotta cope with it. Mm-hmm. So maybe sometimes when, maybe sometimes when I'm sad or, or you know, going through one of those bouts, my coping mechanism is, is just you know, hellish fucking. I don't give a fuck. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna fuck everything up. Which fuck is you know, it's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. It's it's not cool and it's not funny and it's not glamorous you know maybe to like maybe like people on the outside looking in right like oh wow like whoa look at like oh Sid Vicious was such a fucking rebel he was a fucking junkie right Ain't, that's not, there's no glamour in that there's no glamour in being Elvis Presley and, and dying overweight on a fucking toilet seat you know but again <clears throat> we're getting better we're getting better with it I always kind of think of it like, you know, like the whole focus thing. Sometimes, like, I always always equate things to boxing, right? Life is a fucking fight, right? So you're a boxer. I've seen guys who are, like, the the most talented fighters ever buy into, like, their own, you know, belief that, oh, they're the the fastest, they're the strongest, they got the best technique, they're never going to lose, right? So they might slack off the focus shifts, they buy into the hype, they don't fully train and prepare, and then they go in the ring and get knocked out by a like literally a bum who had that hunger and had that determination and had that focus to be like all right I'm not going to blow this opportunity. So, so I think about it like that sometimes. I just don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the hot and cold guy or the the inconsistent. And sometimes I am. You grew up boxing, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I used to box a little bit. Yeah, I, I love it. Lo- love it. Where did you start that at? Uh, back in like. Riverside County, because I was born in East Los Angeles, born in East Los Angeles. My dad's Mexican, big, big fight guy, big guy, and uh, not big fat, but like big, burly, athletic guy. And he was just, you know, you know, we, and I had two older brothers and instead of like bitching and crying when they would slap the shit out of me, he'd be like, yo, all right, I'm going to show you how to throw a punch, you know? So, but love, love that shit. How much older are your brothers? Man, uh, one is 30. My oldest brother, Nicky, might be 36. My second oldest brother, no, he might be like 34. I don't know. We really don't keep in touch with him too much at all, really. And uh, my, it's just problems. Like him and my older brother, Matthew, like, you know, I love them, their family. But it's, if, if you saw them standing, I always say if you saw them 
and me, you know, were standing in a line, you'd be like, there's no fucking way they're related. Like, you know, I, it just, just in physical appearance, you know, like the, the body build, the, the color of skin, um, they look like fucking cholos, dude. They look like straight up like cholo low lives. Like, and then you have a younger sister too. Yeah, I got a younger sister. She's like sixteen, and oh. a younger brother who I fucking love. Oh, so you have five siblings, and I'm the middle child. You're the middle. So no wonder, like, <laughs> that explains everything, right? <laughs> but the thing is, like, I don't, I don't know why it's why it's like the, oh, you know, why it's like that because. You know, my parents, I think I'm, not, you know, my my brothers and sister will probably kill me for saying this, but I'm probably the favorite. Oh, actually, I know I am. My parents are, like, super proud of me, you know. They didn't want me to go down this route, but they see that, you know, like, the talent and blah, blah, blah. But my parents love me, and they always showed me attention. Like, I just remember, I remember growing up, I mean, my parents, they would discipline me when I got out of line, but they would always show up to, like, the assemblies when I got, like, on a roll or this then when I was a little-ass kid, and they'd always tell me how smart I was and how proud they were that I would come home and I'd do my homework. You know, I wouldn't even, I want to play first. I'd come home and I'd do my shit, and I wouldn't ask them for help. Like, I never asked my, I ain't never asked my parents for help, and my parents are very smart. I feel like younger brothers are always more competitive because rather than trying to keep up with the kids their own age, they're trying to beat their brothers at shit. I just wanted my older brothers to leave me alone, to be honest. Like, like it was it was hell, dude. Like, I mean, I love them and I understand, but they were just, they were fucking no good, you know, rotten to me. Like, not on some, like, big brother, I'm going to give you, like, a noogie type shit or I'm going to, you know, or, but, you know, they were like, they were like, it was a borderline almost, like, abusive. Like, they would, like, they would beat me up like I was, you know, their peer or something like that. They would come in the room and they would smash up the toys and, you know, slap the shit out of me for for no fucking reason at all. <laughs> when you say they look like cholos now, were they involved in gang stuff back then? Yeah, yeah, like like stupid, like little click banging. It's so fucking stupid. They had the little, they had, you know, the, their cut up Ben Dicky slacks that they cut into shorts, and they had their their high socks, and like you know, they would bring guns into the house. Like that was, you know, they got they got kicked out of the house at an early age. They got kicked out of the house at, the, at an early age because they were, dude, doing drugs, doing all kinds of just stupid bullshit. And, like, the thing is, like, I never I never claim to be like, oh, man, I'm the toughest guy or I understand fucking hood life. But I do understand what it's like to be poor and to have people you love who are caught up in that because I, I saw it quite often. Not my parents, but my older brothers who I have no idea why they were like that. My parents were good to them. And I just realized, like, yo, that shit is, that shit is not cool. Like, I understood it completely. And I understood at an early age, like, I don't want to be that. And I don't want to be a part of that. Like, I just knew as a fucking kid. So, like, that shit, that shit's, that shit's weak, man. Anyone, anyone with half a fucking brain will tell you that. It's not fun. What did your folks do? My mom was doing, like, clerical work um, for, uh, I think, like, an elementary school. I'm trying to think. I think the school is called, like, Honey Hollow. I don't know why that has anything to do with anything. But she was, like, doing, like, receptionist, like, teacher aid type shit. But it was only seasonal, you know? Like, year-round, I guess. It was, only, like, it was like a year-round school. And then my dad was, like, rolling cylinders at an air gas company. Like, like filling air gas orders and stuff. Do you have generations of family in L.A.? Or did your folks move here from somewhere else? No, no, yeah. There's, like, the, the family's pretty much... Well, I mean, my parents came from different countries, but... We're now in our, trying to think, maybe fourth, third or fourth generation. Like, my grandparents came from different different countries. My parents came from different countries. But I'm, like, 
the third, yeah, I think third generation. So wait, they're from different countries. Your dad's Mexican. Yeah, yeah. Mom's Jewish. Yeah, my mom's uh, Israeli. Israeli national. Did you grow up uh, practicing Judaism? Um, they tried to put religion on me, but I really wasn't into it. Which one was sticking out more? Like, uh, well, I assume Catholicism and yeah, Judaism. Yeah, well, I wasn't into any of that shit. Yeah. I thought that shit was a sham too. At a young age, of course. Yeah. I was like, I, I, and that's the thing. They but when you're raised, when you're raised in a religious household. They don't. They do not want you to question. You don't question, right? You go to church or you go to temple and you do this and you do that and you do it because you know. When you say why, it's because of faith. Yeah, why? Because this is this is what the Bible says, or this is what the the Torah says, or this is whatever you know. But to me, I'm like, well, why can't I make that decision? And I understand. I guess it's a parent's obligation to raise their kids and instill faith in them. But I I don't think. You can instill faith in anybody, you know, like I think faith has to to be developed and it has to be kind of that personal understanding. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you could see things like you could see things that that uh, that cultivate that faith. Right. Like, like, say, I don't know you. Right. And oh, well, Lee's the be that guy over there. Intuition. Lee, he's the best person ever. You know, well, I don't, I don't fucking know that shit. But if I see you fucking you know save a kid from getting hit by a bus or you know or feed the homeless you know cultivate that faith oh i have faith in him that guy is a good person like to be fair you've seen me do that like once i a have week. i've seen you do a a christian feat of strength <laughs> at uh, at wait at was it um i ripped some phone books yeah you ripped some phone you were part of the power team <laughs> no you um and i think it was harvest crusade 95 <laughs> did you not bench press an 83 buick <laughs> Over your head. Only two reps, but who's counting? <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Yeah. So you didn't make the cut for gifted and talented in elementary school, yeah, but them. like junior high, high school. What were you like then? Uh, I was listening to a lot of rap and like. What was the first rap you got into? Man, well, rap was always around because my older brothers were into um, gangster shit, West Coast gangster shit, like G Funk shit, Snoop, Dre, Warren G, you know, West Side Connection stuff like that. But they also liked they also liked a lot of the Texas shit too. Um, and I think they liked it for the same reason I liked it is like, like the bass and the way the beats rode out really sounded like some West Coast shit. You know, they were just rapping differently. And so, I mean, that stuff was cool. I remember like, I remember knowing all the words to like, you know, nothing, nothing but a G thing and like the songs off doggy style when I was a little ass kid. But like I, the first shit, like I super, I think got into like when I was in middle school, um, after one who's like one of my closest friends and. You know, we grew up down the street together. Um, he was like the only kid in school who had uh, Quali and Most Def or Black Star. He's the only. He might have been the only person in town that had that CD. Knowing Manny, that makes so much sense. No, but he was he was just always cooler than everybody. He was like, dude, he was like sixth grade, seventh grade. He was break dancing and like I remember like I was into like Dragon Ball and stuff. Did he have the giant afro back then? Uh, he had the small curl. But I remember, like, I have a funny story with him. And, like, he does, he denies that it ever happened, but it really fucking happened. We had this mutual friend, this Chinese kid named Poilock Choi. And, um, you know, and the first time I met After One, like, me and Poilock were, like, talking about, like, Dragon Ball or something like that. And then After One came in, he had, like, some Adidas, like, fucking, like, a track pants. And, like, he had some, like, breakdancing goggles. <laughs> and this fool, and we're talking about it, and he just walked in, into the conversation, like, Dragon Ball, huh? That's for gays. <laughs> like, <laughs> it like really happened. I was like, and I was like, fuck, I hate that guy. <laughs> but then like we became friends. But he was like the first dude. Like he had like most deaf and quality. Our black star. He had like sound bombing. 
he was just he was always he was just fucking cool and like it like really hit me to like a lot of like dope rap shit in sixth grade it was like seventh it might have been about seventh grade yeah yeah yeah. sixth grade he called me a fag and i hated him (laughs) i do recall that and then seventh and eighth grade we became friends and like ninth grade we became like best friends that was your partner in crime dude yeah that was like dude like everything together like fucking no homo the first time i met you was uh i had a friend named 60 cycle hum josh Remember? Dude, remember that? When's he the last was, time you heard Josh? He name? was so fucking tight at he was everything. Very talented, and he looked like Paul from the Wonder Years. Like he was so small. Dude, on that trip where we first met each other, when we were going to meet you in Santa Barbara, yeah. me and After uh, One rode with him. I think we were still in high school. You guys drove his car to my house. At yeah. which point, you got in my car and we drove to the bay. Yeah, yeah. So we're driving up there. I just remember this full Josh like. And he was all, dude, he had like the five panel caps way back when, like he was really on that shit and he was a little bit older than us, you know, even though he looked really young, I just remember him smoking a cigarette and after's like, <laughs> after's like, yo man, can, can you pull over? I was like, I gotta go to the bathroom. He's just like, no time, man. Just stick your wiener out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then like you know and I don't hey, know why I just he's re- a character dude he's just like no but he's just like you know taking drags of the cigarette no time man just stick your wiener out the window and like he was dead serious like he was not playing and like the thing, and then like I remember we were driving up the Santa Barbara coast you know going to meet you and um and after one you know like we're both like we had never seen Santa Barbara or, or anything like that so we're driving up the coast like fuck man this is really beautiful. And this feels like, you know, like, wow, this is really tight. Like, wow, we're doing something. And this was taking drags of a cigarette. I don't like the fucking ocean, man. <laughs> well, why not? Too many fucking fish. <laughs> like, what? Like, dude, he was so tight. Stick your wiener out the window. <laughs> man, I love that kid. I haven't talked to him in years now, but man, he was so funny. Like, back then, that was like on the old AOL days. Yeah. No, he was, and he could rap well and he can make super dope beats yeah like, he had stories he could tell stories in dude. his raps but um you and after were already like a solidified rap duo at yeah, that yeah, point like, when was it that you guys came up with um soul rock affiliates yeah, maybe like soul rock yeah, affiliates yeah maybe when that's a fucking gay name maybe like when we were like ninth grade or something like that he made beats and like he got really good because he was always like beatboxing and shit but he got like super super dope at making beats really fast like for no reason he was just he's one of those guys who's good at everything he does did you guys just start rapping together because you were friends and like you were just yeah. got into freestyling yeah, together yeah, or yeah something? pretty much and i mean like when we were like freshman high school we had older friends this guy named uh, mike this guy named will and this guy named dominic and they all um and they were like seniors and they were just they would rap at lunch and they were super tight and we're just like yo let's go hang out with those guys and you know fucking rap and shit and yeah so those were the homies and and now you know they all they all still have their hand in music like dom lives like in australia and like lives like a really cool life he's got like a fucking gorgeous australian girlfriend and like he dj's like really you know dope clubs in australia and makes really cool mixes and like yeah so but those were like those were like that's kind of like segued into us making music what was the first song you guys recorded do you remember oh i don't fucking i don't know i bet you do I'm, no i don't i'm not trying to be evasive i just i oh i i don't know um is salt rock affiliate some shit where if it leaked on the internet you'd be embarrassed by it if you would have asked me that question a year ago i'd have been like yeah but now i'm i'm you know but now i'm like no because i've never made any claims or accusations of being something i'm not and i'm really i'm, I'm proud about that you know that i oh, do that's who i was when i was fucking 15 16 like like why i mean i'm sure it probably sounds corny or it looks 
ridiculous now in hindsight because I'm I'm such a different person. But that's what growing up is, you know. Like that's that's what being human is. You know, I kind of equate it to I guess like if my parents saw a picture of themselves in like the '60s or '70s, they'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I wore that." I'd probably be like, "I can't believe I said that in the song," or yeah, "I can't you, believe I you, sounded so horrible." When or, you look at yourself in the mirror every day, you don't notice your changes. But yeah, like, no, you don't. If you look at a fucking picture of yourself from ten years ago, yeah, like, what the you fuck don't was, notice what it. Was wrong you with don't me? notice it until it's almost like fucking eight ten years later and you're like oh man my hair is long as shit now and i have a beard and i don't fucking look like fat mark cuban anymore and i don't got the la <laughs> I, and i don't got the fucking la you looks did look like hair. fat mark cuban yeah no but i was fun. always charming and charismatic so you guys graduated from high school the same year you and manny yeah, yeah, yeah. we graduated from high school the same year and um where'd you go you see riverside for a little bit and then i went to uh, cal state fullerton and um it just didn't work out. Like I wasn't. Did you guys go to college together? As no, well? he didn't go to college. He knew from the jump that he wanted to do music. Like I remember, like when everyone's taking the the SAT, the uh, ACT, or whatever. He was just like, "Fuck that shit, man! I'm gonna make music." And I'm like, "Fuck, I want to do that too." But he was actually like, and I knew I always wanted to do it, and I was going to do it. But um, he was the first of like anyone I had ever met. Who's, who just said, like, it was a super brave move. He's just like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And, you know, I'm going to make it happen any way I can. And, you know, to to like to be, like, 16, 17, that's, that's some bold shit, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when everyone's around you. I want to go to Harvard. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. Uh, you know, like, he was just like, no. Nah, He's like, like, I want to be an okay player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to wear a dashiki and, <laughs> and live in the woods. Um, no, like, no, he was just like, he was about it, and he made it happen. How long did you guys keep trying to make it work? After high school, we knew, we knew it was fucking over. Like, we knew. Because it was just like, because it was just, as similar as we are, we're, we're very different. And, like, we just didn't want to, I mean, we still, obviously, we still have and, and still do collaborate and you know, he sends me beat or sends me beats, and we'll make songs. He was on the la- he made a really sick beat for the last album. But it's just like, okay, we're just we're too different, and and we want different different things out of, out of this, you know. So so it just you know it just it was the it was the casual drift. It was it sucks at first because then you feel like really fucking alone, like oh damn, what the fuck, you know. But dude, like, but nothing really changes. It's just like, oh okay, I don't. We don't make music every single day, but like that's still like my brother, dude. We've fucking done a bunch of psychedelics and hung out in the desert and like you know, like yeah, it's, that's that's so shout outs to After One. If dude, you guys aren't familiar with his music, go Google him. He's a A-F- genius. A F T A dash one. Dude, he's a fucking genius. And there's only like a lot of good music. Yeah, well, not even a lot. It's just like that's what that's what's so tight about. It. It's just like the body of work. There's a few like really really sick remixes that he's made for other people. And then, like, an album, and then, like, an album he made in a week. So there's, like, there's, like, there's not that much, but what you, what there is that exists is gold. And it's, like, it's so fucking sick. So then you're in college and, uh... Miserable. You went through a very heavy battle phase. Can we talk about that? Do you ever talk about your battle yeah, phase? Yeah, well, I don't really talk about it. Cause Let's like, talk about it, because no, it, no, it's no, funny. No, it's no, funny no, in Well, no one ever brings it up, yeah. but, like, kids, well, now kids are starting to, like, now that, like, well, things guys, are starting to pop... Yeah. 
kids are starting to like discover that. Oh yeah, you can still find old videos. Yeah, and it's just like, oh no, that didn't happen. That didn't exist. Like, dude, like, dude, I was I was racking up hundreds of thousands of views on the internet when I was like fucking seventeen. That's the thing is that we've been around through a few different generations of rap and rap on the internet, and so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the first big waves of YouTube was like you know on beat battle rapping. Yeah, definitely. That you was, were good at it, but it's like it's so corny when you look back at it because it's all like formulaic and like set up punchline set up punchline set up gay joke set up your mama joke set up oh this guy's black this guy's chinese so it's like really you know it's just like playing the dozens like you just you know barring someone up talking shit about them but on a beat but this was before like there were like url it and wasn't rap. acapella it was no on beats not. and it was but you know, it was freestyle but it was like come on it, it wasn't all it wasn't like really freestyle like people came i was off, i know i was off the top yeah. i never prepared and then i remember when i found out that people were preparing i was like oh fuck this shit and that's when I was just like no more so like I'm and I'm glad like I didn't get like super sucked into it and, and have that define me like there's been like I got out right at the right time there was a definitive moment with the battle scene where kids that were doing the the beat battles it started to go to acapella and people either chose to keep on the path of the battles or to go away from it and I think you definitely steered clear and went the other because way because I never wanted to be a fucking stand up insult comic like I like I like doing it because I thought it was fun, you know. Like I got kicks off of it. Like I was like, "Yo, this is fun." There's a crowd of people, and I never thought I was like, "Man, this is gonna propel me into being a great songwriter." Because it doesn't. In LA, there was like the blowed where a lot of people were uh, going to battle and freestyle, and then in the IE, there was elements. Did you used to go to elements? Yeah, yeah. There's elements and like foundations, which like Noah James ran, um, and that, that eventually turned into the Common Ground, mm-hmm. and that whole that whole movement. But um, I went to Elements uh, a couple times when I was in high school. They used to have it like in Pomona, and I'd go and I'd fucking serve serve up like the dudes who were like in their twenties. I'd merc them like it was nothing. But I think a lot of the sh- I think a lot of like the praise and oh my god, this guy's great. I don't think I was actually great or good at it. I just think the fact that I was I was a teenager and I looked. You know, I looked goofy as shit. You've always kind of had the Billy Hoyle effect from yeah. White Man Can't Jump, huh? Yeah, yeah. So You didn't look the part when you were battling, but that was, like, almost part of the charm no, of dude, it. dude, it was, this, like, the bait and switch. Like, so it's just like, dude, you can't say anything to me that I haven't already thought of myself or, you know. And the thing is, I, I, was, I was a lot... I was more charismatic in terms of, you know, the way I rapped and the way, like, I presented myself and flailed my arms and... And I was funnier with my comebacks. It's funny thinking back on it now because uh, when you mention um, that you didn't look the part, that seems to kind of be a theme because now I think part of uh, the surprise and the charm of your music is is like you don't look the part of a fucking rapper right now either. You're wearing a poncho and you have a beard oh, and yeah. really long hair. But to me, the part, the part, the quote unquote part, what I understand what the stereotype is and like what the expectation is. But to me, the part never existed in my in my head in my reasoning and in my eyes like the part the part and what you're supposed to be what you're supposed to sound like where you're supposed to come from like that's that it's non-existent in my universe because when you'd go to project blow to foundations you'd see fucking the dopest asian dude you see dumbfound dead you see james no can do black guy you'd see this white guy you'd see females you'll see this and that and so i'm just like and i think that was always the what i liked about making not just rap music but music in general is just like there there are no rules and you get to tell your story who said that you know whoever thinks in the year 2013 that a rapper is supposed to look like this or that and, you know you got you got shit fucked up 
You know, and that's why I, I, I got fucking mad the other day. I said, you're my favorite white rapper. Would you go up to Frank Ocean and be like, hey, Frank, you're my favorite black singer. Would you do that? No, because you look like a fucking jackass. So you saying that to me, you look really fucking stupid. I'm a white rapper. Okay, do I have to record in the white only studio? Or I'm not even white, but like, you know what I mean? Like, do I have to record in the, the white only studio or, you know, you know, drink out of the, the white rapper only water fountain? You know, it's not the same thing, but it's just like, it's irritating and it's it's stupid and I, I don't play into it. And that's why like when I do like a lot of interviews or, or this and that, like, it's just, I don't even allow it. I control the narrative. I don't allow it to be a topic. Not because I'm trying to be evasive or I got something to hide. It's just because it has nothing to do with the fucking price of tea in China. It has, like, nothing to do with it. But I think, yeah, but, I mean, to me, there is no part. And the thing is, you know, it's it's funny because you see, like, in the different the different styles. And, you know, now nowadays, like, okay, OF and ASAP and Trinidad James and all these people have, like, their own distinct looks and definitive style. But in the year 2005... I was the fucking weirdo in the year 2006, seven. I was the weirdo for being that, you know, and trying to rap. And now it's almost like it's your selling point and it's your chic and how cool you are. So it's just like, I've been the fucking weirdo my whole life. Like I'm not, you know, it's, it's whatever. But now, you know, the fact that you can market it and, you know, and, and you have it be a part of your aesthetic. That's, that's kind of interesting to me because I never wanted to sell I wasn't into the the notion of the idea of hey let me sell you, you know the fact that you know I look like this or I look like that. In saying that, do you think that being weird has become the norm in rap? Well, rappers were always kind of weird, weren't but they? But think about it, like back in the like De La Soul was weird. Oh, absolutely. But think about like early two thousands, maybe snap rap got popular and everybody was wearing white tees or throwback jerseys, yeah. big like fitted hats that look like top hats almost. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. everybody kind of had a uniform. Now I feel like the uniform is to have no fucking uniform whatsoever yeah the uniform is whatever whatever you want to show up to work in Mm -hmm. you know like my uniform is whatever i want to wear if i feel like wearing a poncho or a kimono or you know like a cardigan or you know uh, a maple leafs or mighty ducks jersey it's it's whatever i feel comfortable in but i i think it i think it's cool that that people accept it you know and people are into it now and that you see a lot of uh, different artists um applying that and and you know and 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 kids aren't stupid man like like i think the kids who listen to the music and support the artists they know like i think that's why they can relate you know like the dirty skater kids oh my i relate to tyler because oh fuck i'm that or you know whatever i think i think it's great i think it's i think it's i think it's the best but there's still that notion that you know you should look and sound a certain way but I think that's, that's, that's kind of silly because not everyone is French Montana, not everyone is Two Chains, not everyone is Drake, not everyone is Most Deaf. Everyone is everyone's different. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the music special. Like we talked about a second ago, like when you look at a snapshot of yourself from ten years ago, maybe or something. What started the gradual progression from the speak that I met at seventeen to the speak that I see in front of me now? I mean, at the time I met you, I, I feel like you were too young to have experimented with any drugs. You probably weren't heavy into alcohol yet. No, I, I really I didn't get into alcohol until like. Until, you know, I was like 18, 19 or like 20, you know, I didn't become like a real drinker till I was like 21, but I was, um, I always, I always smoked weed. I always, I just had the sense not to bring it around like my, my house and, you know, give my, my parents fucking headaches. So I was into weed. I think like I might've been like a sophomore the first time I did mushrooms or whatever, you know, and you know, we, we had, we had a feel with that shit, but you know. 
But I think what happened what happened was I was in school at Cal State Fullerton. I was in I was me and my college me and my girlfriend were living together and we were having like nervous like, you know, this the horrible this horrible relationship and she she was an addict. She was an addict. Me, weed and booze, right? She was like hard like hardcore drug user. And so the relationship deteriorated. I was working I was flipping burgers at In and Out. I fucking hated life because I was I was working to survive and go to school, and like my then I couldn't make music full time. I was still recording. I did like kite flyers during that time and shit. And um, but my my chick, the person who I, I loved, whatever that means, um, you know that whole, that whole shit was crumbling. So when she she moved to New York, and I, I got sick. I, I was getting sick with Lyme disease. Cause I I had Lyme disease and I didn't even fucking know it. I got bit by a fucking deer tick when I went up north. My girlfriend, who had been with for a couple years, had moved away. I was I wasn't content with my job. I wasn't happy with school. I wasn't making music, and um, I just kind of had. When I started getting super sick, I was like, you know what, fuck it. Um, I went into work one day. I was like, I'm never coming back. I was like, I I went in. Um, I was supposed to be in for a shift. I remember. I showed up like four hours late. And I walked into the stand at in and out. You know, they got the wheel with all the orders. And, you know, during the rush, the lunch rush. Oh, that's right. You were like a manager at in and out Yeah, they, wa- they want me to be a manager. I remember that because you were making good money at in and out And I was very Yeah, surprised. but I was doing it to, like, survive and, yeah. and pay for school. Yeah. I was like, I wasn't happy. And I yeah. smelled, and my balls fucking smelled like grilled onions all day because I was fucking <laughs> cooking animal fucking fries. Like, <laughs> dude, that's not fucking tight. What does Lyme disease entail? I don't even know. Basically, that. um... It's like a poisoning of your fucking blood. Like, it's bacteria. It affects you neurologically. And I think maybe that's that's why I'm, I have, like, these bouts of, like, insane, you know, moments or, like, lapse of judgment or impulse or whatever. It, you know, so it, destroy, it, it destroys, like, your joints and your muscles. Like, there were days, like, I, like I, I would be in bed, like, 19 hours a day. Like, I could not, I literally physically could not get up. How do you get rid of that? heavy regime like i was on a regime of like antibiotics and iv drip bag for like a fucking year but yeah so it was during that time so you quit the job yeah i walked in i wrote on a piece of paper i fucking quit and i put it on the wheel and i spun the wheel and then i i I left and i was just like you know what like i can't do this anymore i finished the semester in college because i'm like i'm not gonna be a flunky and fuck it up for myself because if i want to come back i withdrew i finished the semester got my grades i withdrew and then I just got really fucking sick. Yeah. And so that's when it happened. Because I felt, even though I was sick and like, I felt like I was dying, I felt for the first time I didn't have, I didn't owe anyone anything. There was no obligation to work or school or to support a girlfriend or, you know, like, it was the most free I had ever felt. Ironically, like... Hitting the bottom was the freeing point. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I grew my hair out, and I was like, I'm going to grow a beard. And, um, you know, not to change or anything. I just... I liked it. I liked having long hair, you know? And and I always wanted a beard. It's a good beard. Thank you. I grew it myself. What year was that? Uh, like, 2000... Like, nine? I don't want to, like, fucking dwell on Crayshon shit, because I know everyone always talks to you about that. Yeah. Like, is that around the time that you met? Did you take a trip to the Bay or something? I met her when I was when I was actually uh, recovering. From the Lyme disease. Yeah, yeah, I was getting better. Um, um, what was I going to say? Because me and the UTB, UTB boys, we had a house in the murder, the murder mansion, the UTB, the LS mansion. 
it was like the trap house like they i mean they were doing their 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 branding and merchandising for Wiz Khalifa at the time and we all just you know we'd ship orders all day like smoke hella weed and then work on art and there was this guy named Davy Boy Smith who run he lives out here now but he's from England and they founded like that hip hop karaoke shit and they have a, a blog called um Southern Hospitality whereas like a UK based blog but they always posted hella like underground Memphis, Texas, Atlanta, Bay Area, West Coast shit. Like they were just they're they're in tune more than I more than anyone I'd say even to this day they're more in tune than Complex or Fader or whatever. So what happened was he was like, "Yo, I fuck with your shit. Have you ever heard of Cray Sean? She's from the Bay." And I I saw like the bump and bump and shit. And I'm like, "Yo, like the song's not that tight, but it is for some reason. And there's something about her that's like magnetic on camera. And that's how we became friends. That's and like I just hit her up like, "Yo, we should work." And she was living in the Bay. She's like, "Yeah, I'm fucking down." She came out. We worked on some music, and then um, and then the rest is history that we don't have to dwell on because yeah, yeah. every fucking interview, I feel like they always talk to you about that. And yeah, so yeah, yeah. If you guys want to learn more about speaking Krayshawn working <laughs> together, go Google it. But um, after that all took place, the song got huge. Yeah. How did it change your life? Um, I had a little bit of money, but I wasn't really happy. Um, it, I think it created like for me a more more turmoil. I I think, you know. Not because like I was super famous or successful or anything like that. It's just because I just felt I didn't know how to, um, you know, I knew a little bit about the industry and I, you know, things that I still that obviously became true and that are true. But it's just you know it it helped induce that fucking paranoia and all that stuff and you know help ruin friendships and. It was just it was just it was so it was so difficult. Imagine imagine you know rapping you know spending most of your like teenage life and and you know the beginning of your adult life being like you know a rapper and and dedicating yourself to the craft and and loving it and then having all of a sudden oh okay here's a radio hit like and then people want you to duplicate and replicate that but I never wanted to do that in the first place. That's why, like, I try to explain to everyone. It's like, man, you were blessed with the position, but I didn't want to fucking do it. Like, you don't understand. Like, I like not because I'm difficult or because I want to write, you know, pop songs. I, I just, I didn't want to write pop songs. I didn't like. That's not what I wanted to do. At all. <laughs> and you're crazy. Okay, a little bit because I think anyone in that position would have been like, fuck it, I'm gonna write for everybody. But I was just like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. You know. But again, that's that, again that's that self-destructive thing and that that pride shit, you know. So it was, yeah, it was just it was just really weird. So all of a sudden, like you're super in demand, and everyone wants to everyone wants to like work with you, and everyone wants you to write for them or write for their artists and that. But it's just so it was kind of it was that that was going down, and then the time you know Natasha was like doing the rounds and stuff. When they would ask her about me, she was just like, "No, that's just a homie. He didn't work on no music. Or, you know, we just that's just my friend from LA," and that was kind of hurtful. I think it was very hurtful because I didn't want her to be like, "Yeah, he wrote the song," because it doesn't fucking matter who wrote the song. The song was written. It's a fucking thing now, right? Mm-hmm. All she could have she could have just taken the fucking um, I think MIA approach and be like, everyone knows like Diplo was helping write those songs and producing all of it. She could just be like, oh, that's the homie. We collaborate on things. And I would have accepted that. Instead, I felt like, like a little betrayed, a little thrown under the bus, and whatever. And I didn't. I'm sure I didn't make matters, 
you know, any easier. So it takes two to tango. So I played my part in that shit too. But um, yeah. So it's just it's just it's just it's just pretty weird. The whole experience was, was weird because we we're going from like label to label, and you know, playing these you know these records. I mean, they'd be like, "Yo, we want to, yeah, we're we're totally into you, man. We we fucking support you. Play us some of your music." And you know, you'd be like, "Oh fuck, I'm about to get on." You'd play them some of your music. They'd be bobbing their heads into it and be like, "You know what? That's great, but uh, have you ever thought of writing a song for uh, I don't know?" And you'd throw out a fucking dumbass name. No, I haven't thought about writing a song for them because I don't want to. You know. So yeah, it's you know. Are you guys still close? We hashed it out, you know. We we mended our relationship. Like I could say, like I'm I'm cool with her. She's cool with me. There's no there's no issue at all. You know, like I wish her the best. I wish uh, I'm a, I wish I would have, you know, been able to help her on her album. But I think it just got so there was so much turmoil going on around that time. It's just you know it it wouldn't have worked in either way. But I think we should have you know been like yo fuck the bullshit fuck everything that's going around doesn't matter who's in your ear who's in my ear what the press are saying let's fucking throw the balls on the table lock ourselves in the studio and make a fucking cracking ass album that's that's what we should have done you know but it didn't again pride ego right it's horrible right. very 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 sinful after it finally came out in the public that like oh Speak Ro Gucci Gucci. Meet the rapper that Ro Gucci Gucci. All the major media outlets kind of picked up on it. LA Weekly broke it, maybe. But then for a while, when you were putting out your solo music, it became like, oh, Odd Future Affiliate Speak. How did that come about? Well, because I recorded Inside Out Boy at Sid's studio, right? How did you and Sid link up? Um, I always liked the Odd Future sound, not the rape and I'm crazy and this and that. But I, I like, I just like the way the songs were produced, and that was her. That was like a lot of reverb, a lot of like echo things that like. You know, I liked the hollow sound of it, and I, I was, and I thought the beats were good, and you know, like I thought Earl was tight. I thought that shit was tight, but I was more intrigued by um, the engineering of the records, and that's and that Sid's doing. And then, so I reached out, and I was like, you know, right before I think everything like super started like pop pop off for them, and I reached out, I was like, hey, I'm like, you know, I had by that time I was like recovered from being sick, and I had written. Um, most of like half, most if not half the songs for Inside Out Boy, and I'm like, hey, I want to, I want to record them at your place, and she's like, yo, no doubt, like we'll find time, let's do it. Like she checked out my shit and she liked it, and so had it, had I waited like another month or so, I probably would have never met Sid or anything, because you know after that I was and like I fucking I love I love Sid for that like for being so young and on the cusp of you know doing. Huge. huge things because that 2010 2011 run they had everything was oh my god our future Wolfgang it changed the music industry really yeah it did it changed things and she was in the middle of all that going through going through that and then you know whatever her personal life and you know going through all this shit but she still found time for me and you know didn't like try to like screw me over didn't you know charge me absurd mounts for her you know mixing in studio time she just wanted to see me win because she believed in the music and so like i i will always love sid for that like 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 i would take a bullet for sid like real shit because you know she you know she gave me a chance when she didn't have to and it's that's you can't you can't make that shit up man that's that's character and that's class and you know that's friendship and that's love and like that's dope 
so yeah that's how i got involved with them but the thing is there was like no like did you get along with everybody from the camp yeah, I mean, I never had any problems. Like, me me and Ty would be up there working on Inside Out Boy, like, working on the songs and stuff, trying to figure it out. Ty, West Side. Yeah, West Side Ty, Beeper King. King. Yeah, so, like, we'd be up there and, like, you know, we'd finish our session, and then, like, Haji and Left Brain would come up. Or, you know, or, like, we'd go to record, and, like, Tyler would just be getting, like, done recording. And they were always, like, super nice and cordial to me. But I understand, like, during that, during that whole time, it was probably like, oh, this is really... You know, no outsiders, you know, boys club, odd future club, which is fine because I never wanted a fucking Haji verse and I never wanted, you know, Left Brain gave me the intro beat for the album, but I didn't fucking beg him for it. You know, he was like, yo, I'm gonna give you a beat, dog. And I'm like, yeah, fuck you. That's great. The album's almost done. Great. And he made the intro beat for it. And I never asked for like, I never asked any of them for anything. I never wanted, hey, tell me where Earl's at or, oh my God, can I get a beat from Tyler? Like I didn't, and I didn't, and I still don't fucking care about that i respect them i think you know they're cool guys they're cool to me you know i've partied with haji and all them and like dude it's it's dope like it's all good but you know i'm i'm I'm, i can honestly say i'm friends with like sid and matt who uh, and i worked on their project the internet you know i lended i lended some writing for their project so i'm i'm friends with them you know and i hang out with them and you know we smoke weed and you know crack jokes and before they left on tour, I had breakfast with like Sid, her mom, and like Tyler's mom, and it was real nice. Like, is running into Sid and becoming friends with her and working in that studio how you eventually met Vince, or how did you meet Vince? That's how I met Vince. Yeah, that's definitely how I met. Because now Vince. you and Vince are kind of partners in crime. Sometimes, yeah, <laughs> yeah sometimes. Um, yeah, I mean, we even like we were even roommates for like a year, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's how I met because I had known Vince through like you know the. Um, his verses on Mike shit and then like the infamous Epar shit like with Earl or whatever so I'd known Vince and um Sid was like dude you should meet Vince and Vince was just he skated up there Vince was just up there one day and like the moment I met Vince I was just like this kid is funny as fuck and like we talk shit and like we're like yeah like that's just that just became that just became the bro like yeah he's super talented you were hollering in my ear in 11, oh, 11, like, yo, you got to hear my friend Vince. You got to hear my friend Vince. got to hear my friend Vince. And then we had him in um, at, at the, the old studio I was working in and we did the video with him. And he wrote this amazing two verses in like 15 minutes. Yeah, he's a genius. Didn't have to read them to do the verse. And no, he, he, did wrote them on, it. he did them on camera in like two takes. Yeah, he wrote them, committed them to memory, and then killed it like all in a 20-minute span. Yeah, I was definitely um, – taken aback by his talent and my point i guess is that you've always had a really amazing eye for talent you always are putting me up on shit that i feel like god damn i'm glad that speak put me up yeah. on this the things that you put me up on Krayshawn, yeah uh quadrin oh yeah, yeah vince space ghost yeah we were banging the gong for space ghost before I'll, anybody 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 like i'll tell you speak told me about space ghost perp and early 2010 yeah when when he got when he wasn't he wasn't even getting love in miami when me and ty put rebecca uh at la weekly onto him so you have this unknown underground rapper from miami who all of a sudden has because you know la weekly is affiliated with village voice etc etc so you have an unknown lo-fi rapper from miami who all of a sudden gets a national you know who gets like a spread like national recognition from la weekly and then all and like I get Space Ghost Perp now. Yeah. Like I understand it. Yeah, At the yeah. time that you were showing me his music, it was so 
raw that yeah. like I didn't get it. I would have looked oh, it right. Was great. I would have looked right past First it. First two tapes are fucking incredible. Where does that come from in you? Like, where does that gut instinct? Just liking things. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's never like, and Ty will tell you the same thing because I think Ty has an even better eye and ear than I do because Ty puts me up on shit. And I think it's just about liking. It's just about liking things and and being a fan. People are afraid to be fans nowadays. If you're a rapper, it's not cool to be a fan of another rap or whatever. I said, yo, fuck that. That's one area like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not too prideful in or whatever. If I like it, I like it, and I just, I just, you know, you can't describe it. You can feel it in your skin almost. Or like, yo, why do I keep singing this hook over again? Or, or damn, this video is tired. Or you know, you just, you, you, you can't just. It's like they say, it's it. You know what I mean? And it's not trying to be. I'm cutting edge and I'm a taste maker and I'm this and that. Fuck all that shit, dude. Like people walk around like I'm a fucking tastemaker. You're a fucking no. That's one thing I can genuinely say about you is that when you approach me with new music that you're like, oh, you need to hear this. It's never like I know something you don't know. It's like, yo, man, I fucking love this shit. You gotta hear it because yeah, it's. I think music is supposed to be spread like that, right? Like me and all my friends, you know, like you know, we used to make like mix mix CDs. Like yo, man, dog is where I'm bumping, whatever. I think that's you. Sh- it should be, and it's that elitism and that like I know this and you don't. That shit's that shit's boof. Like that shit that shit's stupid. And even like I feel fucking douchey trying to say like, oh, we knew about we were just putting people up on this way back in 2010. Like I don't mean I don't mean it to come across like that. Which I, I, the th- the thing is like they I just I like spreading the word. And I even do it. I even do it to this day. Like I'm, I'm if something's tight, it's tight and. You know, and if I like it, I'll bang the gong for it, whether it's Vince or Cassius Green or whoever. Like, if I like it, like, I'll go to war for you, like, and I'll support and I'll make sure anyone who follows me and anyone who, you know, pays attention to what I'm doing, you know, I'll do my best to put them up on you and to let them know, like, hey, this is what I like. You guys like me? That's cool. But this is what I'm into. And this is the shit that inspires me. And this is, you know, what what gets me excited about m- the music. Who should we be looking for? Right now? Yeah. <laughs> um, that new speak shit, dog. I don't know who, like, I'm... I, I, I can't really say that there's, like, any acts or there's anything, like... Um, maybe, like, Kevin Gates, a super tight. He's a fucking rapper from the South. He's, I've just been starting to hear a little bit of buzz on oh, him. Oh, yeah, he's fucking... I, I haven't yeah, checked see, it yet. So it's not like... It's not like... When I say a little bit of buzz, I mean that I saw it on one small corner of the Oh, internet. no, he's tight, but I, th- I think the, the hype on him is... I think people are starting to get hip to him. He's fucking sick as fuck. Um, like, I like Chance the Rapper, but, like, he's everywhere right now. Like, everyone's... Because he makes great music and great visuals, but, like, I mean... That's what I'm listening to, like rap wise, or like, and I'll and I'll say it a million times over, like, Cassius Green and Fayo are, like, you know, they are to me what like Kendrick and Q and Absol are to like other, you know, rap fans, and like, I'm like, dude, I was just like, all right, like, yeah, that shit's fucking dope, and I fuck with all that shit, but they're they're on, you know, they're making it happen. I was like, Cassius Green and Fayo. That's why when you see me live you will always see them. Or if you see them live, you'll always see me. Because, you know, it, it, we think that's super important. But, dude, Cash Cash and Fayo are, are better at, you know, they're, they're elite. They're elite songwriters and, you know, and, and rappers, and they're fucking amazing. Speaking of Cassius and Fayo and Speak, 
Is there any way you would retell the story about what you uh, opened for Yellow Wolf and I was your getaway driver? Yes. <laughs> can uh, we tell that story? Has, has, can we talk about that? Oh, Lord. All right. <laughs> the Beeper King has given his, his, his blessing. Oh, okay. Basically, we got asked to open up for Yellow Wolf January 2nd, 2011. Right. You know, it was like, like the new year had just come in. Or something. It was like twelve, or actually twenty twelve, or something like that. But whatever. So, but this is a really funny story. So, like, it was just a recipe for disaster, um, <laughs> to be quite honest with you, because they had a million opening acts. We went on right before him. They had a million opening acts, which in theory should none be the of best a, spot. Yeah, but none of them were good. You were there. You could attest to that. None of them were good, and they had no house DJ in between the acts, so they'd have these elongated periods of silence with no music or nothing, so I'm just like, oh, fuck. We get out there, you know, we start, you know, doing the thing, and the crowd was fucking with it at first. That's what I do remember. I think what it was, too, is you made some great joke in between your first song, because you came out to the Juicy J song, yeah, 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 yeah. and then in between your first song and second song, you made a great joke getting at somebody in the crowd, because the crowd was already restless. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and I... Uh, no, I remember what turned the crowd. It was this fucking... And they all looked like UFC bros. The whole crowd was just like bro hoes and straight Orange County. Like, Lots of famous stars and straps. Yeah, a lot. Dude, and it was this bald dude. I have nothing against bald dudes, but, you know, my man Lee. <laughs> um, but there was this bald dude, and this, you know, and he had like a conf- he had his Confederate flag bandana. Boo! We want Yellow Wolf. I ain't never been fucking booed. I've played all over the goddamn map. Never been booed. But, um, boo! We want Yellow Wolf. And I, you know, you fucking suck. And he was like right in dead center in the crowd. You know, that one guy who you could hear and see, despite the fact that there's thousands there. And I stopped the m- music and I was like, fuck you, American History X. I was like, shut the fuck up and, you know, let me finish. And that had the crowd on your side for a second. No, no. That's when they turned on that's me. When they- that's when they turned on me because most of the crowd looked like him. <laughs> And I was like, oh, fuck. And, like, I knew then, I knew then it was bad because people started throwing shit. Well, they started chanting, yellow wolf. And I started chanting back, suck my dick, suck my dick. And then what happened was, uh... People started throwing things. Yeah. I don't know how they had beer bottles because there was definitely bottles thrown. I remember. I don't know if the venue sold beer bottles. It was, like, full bottles of water, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, it didn't, it didn't help, it didn't help that, like, I got on the speaker and I was like... $3,000 $3,000 cash to whoever could beam me, you know? So, like, so I figured it's like almost like the bad guy wrestler. The crowd turns on you, you play it up, and you're like, F-, and that's how I really felt like, fuck them, I'm gonna be the bad guy wrestler now. So they start throwing shit, you know, we're dodging, we're moving, you know, nobody's getting touched or whatever. We get to the last song, we're like, dude, we, and I just turned the back, and, and Beeper King was DJing, and he was just, his his face was like in his hands, and he was just shaking his head, like, I can't believe this. Oh, yeah, I was uh, side stage standing there going, like, oh, yeah. fuck. It wasn't man, like, like sick jacking in them on the side, like, these guys fucking suck. <laughs> like, we're like, I, I forgot who it was. It was like, it was like some, you know, some pretty well known underground acts who were there. Yeah. Like, they were on the side of the stage, like, I can't believe this. Like, they were snickering, like, what the fuck? You know, they're being fucking stupid about so it. So at a certain point, the full bottles of water are coming up. Yeah, but we're not getting hit. That's the tight thing. We haven't. Been, we have yet to be hit. So what happened was, we get to the last song, Can You Accept That? And Cassius was just like, you know what? I fucks with y'all, even though y'all hate us. Like, we still fuck with y'all. We're gonna, this is the last song. Finally, finally, yeah, Yellow Wolf, oh my God. So what happened was, he's rapping, and um, one of the, the dudes who I insulted grabbed him. Like, violently grabbed his leg 
and that's when the fight broke out. Like, they grabbed his leg, and he just stepped back and was like, fuck that shit, and then it just chaos, like, like mics, mic stands, bottles. As the bottles were getting thrown, you guys were throwing him back at it, but then I missed the melee, but I just remember seeing one of the dudes throw the mic like a fucking baseball at somebody. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know who it was. Yeah, I do, but... <laughs> and so the mic hit this dude in the face... You kind of throw it like a lob, like a softball, a mic into the audience. And I'm going, oh, fuck. I'm like, damn, dude, we got to get the fuck out of here. So I'm like trying to walk calmly back to my car to unlock because I'm thinking at this point the cops are going to come. Yeah. Oh, and they did. We're escorting back to the car. Oh, oh, and the funny thing is like the stage manager's freaking out. I can't believe you guys. Are you guys fucking crazy? What the fuck, man? He's like this little white guy. And CJ gets in his face. Hell yeah, I'm crazy. I'm from the murder. I'm from the murder. (laughs) I literally like walked next to you and I said, hey, man, I'm going to go get in the car. I'm going to pretend like I don't know you guys so nobody stops our car. Just fucking go get in my car and we'll go home. And I felt like we weren't safe until we got onto the freeway. Uh, I I didn't feel safe until we're back in LA. But the funny thing is when we're on our way out, uh, two police officers were on their way in. Right. And we're on our way out and like, and like, they stopped me and they stopped me. Right? This is the funny part. They're like, yo, stop. And I'm like, no, dude, we gotta get out of here. There's some lunatics on stage and they're throwing mics. (laughs) 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 And so so he's like, he's like, all right, all right, cool. Where's the stage? That way? I'm like, yeah, officer, it's that way. And so they go running to the stage. We guys get in the car. We fucking dip. We get out and I'm like, all right, let's go back to the. But the best part of the whole story is none of it fucking mattered because the next day on Complex, it says, Yellow Wolf assaults fan with whiskey bottles. So it's like, that crowd fucking sucks to begin with in the written history of that show it doesn't matter that speak or anybody threw microphones or yeah, hit anybody yellow, because yeah. yellow wolf socked some kid and hit him with a whiskey bottle yeah, in the dude, face and the, and the funny thing is like some girl like found my facebook at the show and she's like you threw a, a whiskey bottle let it hit my sister in the face i was like bitch you're lying because no one threw a whiskey bottle and then she was like next show in la you're not safe you're not safe i'm gonna show up with you know i forgot whatever fucking gang she said and you guys aren't safe in la and then vince comments in the box bitch shut your dumb ass up ain't nobody getting shot <laughs> and, no, and, no, and nothing happened and like literally like he's like but that was like that was the that was the concern like oh shit like are the are people gonna show up to the shows and try to fight us and which is like a weird thing because i mean we're fucking human and it's it's so unprofessional to get caught up in like those fights and shit like that especially when there's money on the line because then you know you're at you're always going to be at fault no matter what so but the thing is like it's always like the kids assume like we're some like pussy artsy hipster kids or whatever and we are kind of artsy and blah blah but the thing is like at the same time like i'm also a grown man i i know how to fight (laughs) and like i'm not gonna be disrespected but you know for the most part like we we like we're all about like that you know like i like to be i like to keep it chill i like to be peace you know love acid all that shit that show kind of goes back to the self-destruction too you know what i'm saying oh a hundred percent because on the way there we were like i remember just being in the car like there was a palpable excitement it was like yo it speaks in the backseat we're gonna kill it tonight we're gonna kill it tonight i'm like yeah you guys are gonna this is gonna be a good crowd for you and then fucking boom it's disastrous but i think that's kind of like like the let like the mythos and the legend is like oh shit like what the fuck is gonna happen like at a speak show like yeah are, are the Mexicans going to fight each other in the front row, which happens? Or is, is someone going to get DDT'd? Is someone going to get knocked out? Are they going to get stabbed? There's like, you know, I mean, the music's good. It's just like people like that era of like danger and excitement. But like, we're not trying to be that or promote that. Like at all. Like, because it's not, I'm, 
you know. But the unpredictability works. So it sometimes, is what it is. Yeah, sometimes it fucking happens. So so tell us uh, what what you're working on now. Uh, New just, record coming out soon. Yeah, like um, try to get it out by like the beginning of May. The single drops next week. It's called Bulletproof Denali. Like linked up with Kev and the Alpha Pup guys. are going to put that shit out. Maybe make some money. I mean, and the fans are excited to like pay for it, which is weird. Because I always thought, like, all right, put out really dope free music, let them come to the show if they're really about that shit. But they're like, oh my god, you're going to be on iTunes? I can't wait! And I'm like, whoa, that that's tight. Like, you know, to me, like, I've heard the songs a million times, and they're just, it's, it's, uh, and I'm excited about them, but, you know, it's just another notch in the cap. Like, all right, it's a phase, like, this album is a phase, and I'm, I move on, you know, I move on to the next, and I'm ready to create new shit. But they're like nobody has heard it and they're excited about it and I'm excited about it too. Like I'm, I'm pretty stoked. So yeah, the album's called Gnarly Davidson versus the Marlboro Men, and the album is you know it's it's kind of the the conceptualized chronicles of everything that's happened between blowing up as a ghostwriter and now not really ghostwriter but just like everything that has come like the anxiety. Everything that happened in that span, like kind of blowing up as a writer or getting notoriety as a writer, getting money, losing money, being depressed, fucking these bitches. This it's just like you know, it's like every it's like the last like year and a half chronicle of of my life, and it's all very true and it's all very factual and it's fucking really well written. Can you give any production credits or collab info? Oh uh, yeah, I, I can. I could I could give out a little bit because I mean it's gonna leak anyway, like. So like, oh man! I mean, I'm waiting on on one big, big, big feature to slide through. But you know, it's a family affair. Matt Martian, uh, Sid the Kid is involved on production and some vocals. Uh, my man Caleb Stone, who's like having a really, really good year. Producing. Yeah, shouts to Caleb, dude. Love my man, kid. Professor Calc. <laughs> Professor Calc is dude. He's doing like Kish and like you know this year alone, he's got like credits for like kish and like cassius and like on my shit he he did a few beats that are just incredible uh nico gray who i i love with all my heart she's an amazing singer you know family affair cash is on that shit we got we got we got some heaters and it's it's like i always joke around i call it like inside out man because like it's you know, it's the 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 writing is the writing is more mature in terms of like texture, and because I know how to do a lot more things now, not just like Inside Out Boy was more rapidy rap, and you know, over some me being angsty and pissed off over like some really good beats, and now it's like, all right, well, I know how to write really great hooks, and I know how to write, you know, I, ta- I tapped into that. So, before we get out of here, tell the people where they can find you online. You can find me at uh, Twitter at Speak with a Z at the end because some fucking dick. Already has speak taken. He probably has like four followers. He has four followers in this company called Join Speaker. The name of the product he sells is called Speaker, but he is Speak, and he has four followers. I'm like, dude, give me that fucking name, you dick. And um, yeah, so Speak with a Z. Instagram the same. Uh, follow my Facebook at um, Hello Speak. Back, um, Facebook backslash Hello Speak. And Applebird.org is where I've, I've blogged forever not really blog but you know original content that's the tumblr wave yeah yeah well it's always been apple bird you know like i still have the apple bird t-shirt i dude, still that, rock it everyone wants that shirt i might bring it back so things are good man you're in a good place life is good i can't complain man i'm, I'm excited about putting out the new album and you know we got paid dues coming up and it's just like a lot of cool things are falling into place and i just got i just gotta stay focused but now now that's this, what it is gotta stay focused this this time around i'm um, 
um, you know, a lot of people don't get second and third chances, but I've, you know, aside from the bullshit, I've lived a pretty charmed life, you know, like I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty lucky guy. So, you know, the second time around, it's, you know, we'll, we'll do it even bigger and better. I'm, and I'm stoked because a lot of people, a lot of people would have given up on me, I think by now, but the fact that, you know, I can make great music and I'm a good fucking person. They're not willing to let me fail. And I, that drives me just as much as I drive myself. And I'm very blessed. Thanks for coming in, Speak. No problem. Thanks for having me. Hi, <laughs> hey, what are you doing later? Do you want to get some tacos? <laughs> hey, Lee. <laughs> <laughs>